there's an empty tomb out there. He's risen. Let's give him a round of applause this morning. I want you to know our volunteers and Jeremy and all the cooks back there have done a great deal. After the first service, we have delivered over 400 meals already this morning. Man, let's thank the Lord. We got more than that in going to happen afterwards. So, man, we're excited about that. Maybe 800 meals going out of here. But a lot of Jesus going out of here this morning. That's awesome. So praise the Lord. Encourage one another. And I got some more instructions maybe at the end on how we're going to do this thing at the end. So get ready. Get excited. If you had other plans for Easter, take a meal wherever you want to go. Use it for dinner tonight, okay? So that'd be great. So the cooks have done a great job. And all our volunteers just keep encouraging them. Let's give them a round of applause. Hey, thank you, cooks. Thank you, volunteers. All right. Also, uh, man, today, no evening service, no uh, youth group tonight, so please be aware of that. Also, youth parents, I've seen a lot of youth here today. Uh, man, we need to sign up for summer camp, so see me. If you're sixth grade or older, look at the bulletin. There's a lot of summer camps going to happen. We're going to New Orleans and Super Summer, so please be aware of that. Also, ah. Uh, Annie Armstrong, man. We've got Annie. This is our last day to do Annie. So make sure you're aware of that. And, and lift up our missionaries in prayer. Let's go to the Lord in prayer for our service this morning as we get started. Man, I just can't believe this is Easter. Such a beautiful day. Such a great day to serve the Lord. A lot of you guys are back here to worship. That excites me. I know it excites Dwayne and Dave, but man, it excites me to see God's family coming back together. So let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, I'm excited just for what you're doing in each and everybody's life. I'm thankful for what this Easter stands for, the hope it brings, Heavenly Father, the assurance of our salvation is already paid for. There's nothing we need to do except have faith in you that you've got this. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you just help us to further the gospel message. Be with our missionaries all around this world. Help them to, uh, man... Know that we're lifting them up, helping them to have the confidence to go and to preach this gospel no matter what. And then, my Father, I just pray that you'd help us with this Annie and just uh, be with us today as we watch this video. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Here's your video. In our town right here, it's kind of sad. There's been a lot of shootings, a lot of people getting killed. And um, it looks nice, but it, it's a little rough. I grew up in Sanger. It was just, you know, drugs, alcohol, in trouble all the time, in and out of jail. And that's where I surrendered my life over to Christ. I gave up. I said, God, I, I know you didn't create me to live this kind of life. I just give my life over to you. Do something with me. Ever since then, it's just been, there's no going back. It's all Jesus, man. Before we started the church, he's like, we're going to plant a church. And I looked at him and I said, you are crazy. Like, we were in such a tight financial position that I'm like, there's no way. I got connected with Southern Baptist, and we were able to get funding coming in, so we planted a church. We're more of a laid-back church, you know? It, how you look on the outside doesn't matter. Some of the people that come to our church, if they were to visit your church, you guys might be a little scared of them, because they might look a little rough, a little tough. We try to get people that are on the street to come to church. We had that opportunity where we feed people. The food draws people in, and, and the food is our way of using it to share the gospel message, because that is our number one goal seeing these men, these women, these children, to see the joy in their eyes when they realize and they recognize 
that they're not alone. It's just building those connections and um, and letting people know that you know they're loved. What Pastor Jacob has offered us is a, is another opportunity, you know, that that the world was not going to give us because all of us were wicked men at one point in our lives. But this man looked past all that. He just shows us love that the, that the world didn't show us. Because of the giving of Nan that we've been receiving, we're not left alone. It's a blessing and it helps us just to keep going forward. Being the church to the community, to our neighbors that are right across the street, showing love to them, you know, that's just what it's all about. Good morning. Happy Resurrection Sunday. You heard Jacob and Francine sharing about their calling to be a um, North American missionary. And that is what our Annie Armstrong offering is about. It is used totally, 100%, to support missionaries, just like you saw um, them in their small town in Sanger, California. And so last year, Dwayne and I had a vacation plan. Remember, it was, you know, before COVID stuff. And we had a vacation plan. One of our favorites is to get on the Amtrak train in Chicago and travel all the way across the United States to California. And instead of worrying about gas stations and where we're going to find a place that we can have dinner, we just sit on the train and they provide all of that stuff and you don't have to worry. And it's a wonderful experience. But last year, it was like, nope, cancel, cancel, cancel. Like I said, for a while there, the favorite word, it seemed like of everything, was no. And so it was a lost cause. There was no way last year that we were going to be able to do that. But you know, because we have missionaries all across the United States, all across North America, and internationally all around the world, we are still able to reach people who need Jesus. If you listen to Jacob, he knows the people in Sanger, which is a smaller town. He knows the homeless. He knows the drug addicts. He knows all of the things because he was one of them. That was his community. And you know what happened? He got sent to jail. It was so bad that he committed enough crimes that they sent him to jail. But you know what happened in jail? He met Christ, and he was saved, and he was changed. And when he got out, then he had a heart to reach those that were lost causes. And that's what their church does. They reach out to people that everyone else says is a lost cause. And so they are light in their community. And you know, that's what we want to be. That's part of our purpose. We're going to give to the Annie Armstrong offering so that those guys can still stay and do what they're doing. Because I can't get to California to minister. But there's an obvious need there. But there's a ministry here too. And I can do that. And our church tries to provide opportunities for us to do that. And when we planned to show that video today, we knew we were doing the Easter dinner. We knew we were going to be sending meals out to the hospital, to the fire station, to the police station, to the jail, to some of the nursing homes. We knew we were going to do that as a community outreach and to those who are here. But then something else happened. We had another opportunity to be Jesus. And that was when they needed someone in Harrisburg to distribute food boxes from the um, government COVID program. And so the past two weeks, we have been able to jump in and say, God, we want to do that. We want to be your hands and feet. We want to show love to our community. And we've been able to distribute 200 food boxes the past two Friday nights in our community. And so 
not everything we do has to be far away. We need to, yes, have a part in supporting our missionaries and encouraging them and saying that even though you're down and out, there's still hope. But we also need to give up ourselves in addition to our money to reaching people that many would say are a lost cause. You know, when I was talking to one of the ladies on Friday night, this past Friday night, I was standing at her car. I'd never met her before, and we're just carrying on a conversation, and she says, where are you from? You're not from here, are you? And I'm like, I've been here 21 years. Doesn't that count for something? And you know what she was saying? She said, you talk differently. And I said, I was raised in South Georgia. She said, I heard it. I heard something sounded different about you. And you know, I, I was telling Dwayne about that, and, it, and that blessed me. That's part of my heritage is I was raised in South Georgia, and every once in a while, I guess, you can hear something. But you know what? As believers, we should have that draw. We should have that accent. There's, there's something different about you because something's different. I can't quite put my finger on it, but that something should be, I love God, and I love other people. And I should show it by what I do and what I say and how I act. So let's be that church. If you want to have a southern draw, all the more. So let's pray and ask God to bless that. Father, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. Thank you for the opportunity that I have money in my pocket to share and make missionaries like Jacob and his wife in California so far away. I can't go there, but I can give, and my money sure can. I can't go overseas, but I can give, and my money sure can. And it makes them available for people who need to hear the gospel. Thank you for a church that gives. And, Father, thank you for a church that shares with our community. Help us to be that lighthouse through the things we do, through the things that we say, and, Father, through the lives that we live. May you be made big. And may we represent you well, and may you be lifted up in our community. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Hey, church, guess what? It's Resurrection Sunday.
chains, I'm a prisoner no more. My shame was the ransom he faithfully bore. He canceled my debt and he called me his God, thank you, Father, for the risen Savior. You are alive, Jesus, and we're grateful for that, to know that, to sing this morning, and to know and be certain of what we sing because of your work and evidence in our lives. We're grateful for it. Thank you for the gospel of Jesus. Thank you for the empty tomb. 
Thank you, Lord, that you are still alive, still ruling, still reigning, still making things new, and one day you'll make it all right. We're grateful for that. As we worship in song, we worship in giving, we worship you by hearing and responding to the word of God in just a moment. We give you thanks for what you're doing and what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to get this visual. There's a song we sing here. We've been singing it for years uh, from Phil Wickham. It's called Living Hope. And there's a line in the verse. I think it's the second verse that just captures our imagination every time. And the line is, your buried body began to breathe. I just picture that moment. Dead, Jesus dead, laid out on the tomb. We kind of have these Hollywood sci-fi kind of ideas of what that might look like. But just think about that for a second. Dead, cold body <sighs> takes in air. That's miraculous, right? I want you to get that visual in your, in your head. Listen to what the angel said in Matthew 28. He said, but the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. For he has risen. As he said, come and see the place where he lay. This morning I invite you to come and see.
is betraying, but Sunday's coming, it's Friday, Pilate's struggling, the council is conspiring, the crowd is vilified, they don't even know that Sunday's coming, it's Friday, the disciples are running like sheep without a shepherd, Mary's crying, Peter is denying. But they don't know that Sundays are coming. It's Friday. The Romans beat my Jesus. They robe him in scars. They crown him with thorns. But they don't know that Sundays come. It's Friday. See Jesus walking to Calvary. His blood dripping. His body stumbling and his spirit's burden. But you see, it's only Friday. Sunday's come. It's Friday. The world's winning. People are sinning. And evil's grinning. It's Friday. The soldiers nailed my Savior's hands to the cross. They nailed my Savior's feet to the cross. And then they raised him up next to criminals. It's Friday. But let me tell you something. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are questioning what has happened to their king. And the Pharisees are celebrating that their scheming has been achieved. But they don't know. It's only Friday. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. He's hanging on the cross. Feeling forsaken by his father. Left alone and dying. Can nobody save him? Oh, it's Friday. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday, the earth trembles, the sky grows dark, 
My king yields his spirit. It's Friday. Hope is lost. Death has won. Sin has come. And Satan's just a laugh. It's Friday. Jesus is buried. A soldier stands God. And a rock is rolled into place. But it's Friday. It is only Friday. Sunday is a comfort. Yeah, well, it's here. <laughs> it's here. You know, it's so funny. It's, it's really, no, it's more not funny. It's just wonderful. Is that you remember last year, um, they couldn't stop Easter, um, but they put a moratorium out that we couldn't do the church thing. And uh, I preached to 13 people <laughs> in this room. The text crew was here live. And, and uh, this year, guess what? Last year was a no, and this year's a yes. Aren't you glad? See, see do you remember, you remember when we talked about, you know, better days were coming? They're here. They're here, and we're just excited, and I'm just, I'm so glad to be with you. Thank you all so much for coming out. We had a great first service, and you guys are here today. Thank you so much, and some of you are back for the first time, and we're just really glad that you're here. Um, it's just exciting to celebrate and to worship together, um, together. Well, listen, we want to tell the story today. You know, again, it was Friday. We want to tell the whole story. The sermon title is simple. It's just three days, three days. And you might go, well, how does that play out, Dwayne, in the Bible? Well, see, in Jewish culture, um, a part of a day was, was considered a full day. And it wouldn't matter, but that's just the way they counted days. And Jesus went into the, uh, to the grave about, oh, somewhere after 3 o'clock. We know at 3 o'clock he was on the cross. And the, the Jewish days didn't change at midnight. They changed at 6 o'clock. And so sometime between 3 and 6, they got him in the grave, and he was buried, and that was day 1. And then all day Saturday was day number 2, and then Sunday, sometime after 6, early in the morning perhaps, he arose, and of course they opened the grave, and he was not there. So that's how the three days played out. But here's the incredible part. Just like it was incredible that last year was a no, and this year is a yes, you know, it's just incredible uh, to think about that those three days changed history. Those three, what happened on those three days changed history. And that's what the sermon is about today. I want to share with you, for some of you, maybe for the first time, and perhaps for a lot of you, it'll be a story that you heard many times, but hopefully uh, just a little bit different, a little challenging, a little uh, more. God, thank you so much um, for this. You know, 2,000 years ago, uh, an event occurred, and it's just so important. You know, you know after 2,000 years, you know, an avert, event occurred, now listen, that changed the world. Now, how many events do you know that changed the world? You know, I remember saying, and it seems so puny now. I remember saying that COVID was going to change the world. Not like Jesus did. Not like Jesus did. 2,000 years later. I mean, we're still talking about Jesus Christ, um, his birth and his life, his death and his resurrection. It's the, it's the focal point of human history. You know, it's amazing, again, that last year was no and this is a yes. But let me tell you the most amo- amazing thing about this whole deal is this. We're even talking about this. We're even talking about this. Well, what do you mean, Dwayne? I mean this. Jesus Christ was an obscure man in an obscure village on the backside of the world. And yet 2,000 years ago, 
billions, somebody say billions, billions of people put Jesus and God in the same sentence. We, we shouldn't even know where Je- who Jesus is. We shouldn't even know where he was from. And yet here we are 2,000 years later and billions of people connect Jesus with God in the same sentence. It simply is just amazing, amazing, amazing. And you know, we know more about Jesus than all the Roman emperors. Remember how powerful they were, how full of pomp and circumstance they were. We know more about Jesus than we do any of them. And the reason why he is, because he was a one-of-kind man. He was the God-man. He was the Savior of the world. You know, a while back, probably 1930s, I think it was, uh, a guy named James Allen wrote a poem that we know from the 70s became a song. And the chorus went something like this. You'll recognize it. You know, all the armies that have ever marched, all the navies that have ever sailed, all the parliaments that have ever sat, all the kings that have ever reigned put together, put together, have not affected the life of mankind on earth as powerfully as that one solitary life. And that life was Jesus. That life was Jesus. So today is my privilege to share with you that story. And we're going to turn to the Word of God. And uh, hope you'll get your worship app out. If you'll get the version app open, go down to the bottom there. Click on that corner and go to more. Then go to events and you'll find all the scriptures there. But we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Written by a guy named Paul. You know, Paul was kind of a unique guy. Um, Paul was a, a Pharisee, a very religious man. And Paul was a Jesus hater. I mean, really bad Jesus hater, like putting people in jail and having them killed. So Paul was a Jesus hater who became a Jesus follower. Follower. He planted churches all over his part of the world there. And to some he didn't even write or to plant church. Some of them he wrote letters to. He wrote letters to all these people. And that's what a chunk, like 75% of the New Testament is, are these letters. Now, Paul didn't start out to write the, he didn't start out to write the Bible. He wrote letters. And then these, the, the early believers realized how important these letters were. That in fact they were the word of God. So they, they literally gave them lives, their lives to protect these letters. And later on, of course, they became what we now call the Bible. But they were just letters written to churches, people, you know, as God spoke to him and, and he shared with them. And, you know, it's so wonderful to think about that through all these years that we now have the Bible. It is the most sacred, most powerful, most well-preserved sacred writing in the entire history of man. So we're going to let Paul talk to us. This, this man who was a Jesus hater, who became a Jesus follower, in fact, a Jesus lover. And we want to see what he said about those three days. Now, we start in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 3. And there Paul writes, okay, writing, writing to a group of people named the Corinthians. They lived in Corinth, a Roman city. And so he's writing a letter to them, okay? And so here's what he says. He says, now listen, I want to tell you something. He says, for I passed on to you, Corinthians, I passed on to you, Corinthians, as most important what I also received. Now, now what, Jesus, what uh, Paul is about to say about Jesus is the most important thing. You know, I don't know. I try not to watch too much of the news, but sometimes I will, and, and they'll start out, David Moore, I usually watch NBC, ABC simply because it's the local channel, and, and he'll say, there's breaking news tonight. There's breaking news tonight. The number one story. Sometimes back in the old days, I have a newspaper, a reproduction of a newspaper from Pearl Harbor. 
uh, you, know, the, you know, December the 7th, 1941, and the headlines are, you know, war, war declared, Japan attacks Pearl Harbor. And those were the headlines, breaking news headlines. Well, Paul is saying, now listen, Paul is saying that what I'm about to share with you is the lead story. What I'm about to tell you is the most important story. What I'm about to tell you, you need to pay attention to. Now, here's the deal. Why, why is it the most important news? Why is this story, this story of the three days, why is it so, so important? Well, here's the deal. The, you know, the most important news is not about do. You, know, you, would think, you would think that the most important news is, what do I have to do to earn heaven? But here's the deal. That's, not, that's a no story. Because you can't do anything to earn heaven. There's, there's nothing we can do. I know we think we go to church, we get baptized, we become religious, we, you know, we get money, we do nice things, there's a giant scale. If my good outweighs my bad, you know, I get to go to heaven because I earn it. You can't earn heaven. It would be a no story. This is important news, not because of do, but because of done. It's about done. It's what Jesus Christ did on a Roman cross when he paid the price for our sins. Paul says it's important not because of what you can do to earn heaven, but what Jesus Christ did for you. Um, it's not a big story because it's about religion. It's about relationship. You know, some of you and a lot of the younger millennial folks, they say this, I am so done with religion. Well, I tell you, what, I must be a millennial because I am so, of course, I'd be the world's oldest millennial. But anyway, you know, I am so done with religion. We well, say, well, Dwayne, why do you say that? Because religion is man's attempt to reach God. Did you get that? Religion is man's attempt to reach God. I'm done with that. I'm done with that. I'm so glad this is big news, not because it talks about how, how I can reach God, but rather how God reaches me. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship. It's, it's how that God, God says to Dwayne, if you do this, he says to you, if you'll do this, then you can call me Abba, Father. You can call me Dearest Father. Is that incredible or what? I mean, come on, is it incredible that the creator God of the entire universe says, hey, you can call me Abba, Father, and that's why the most important news is good news. the the word The word that we have um, is is gospel. That translates the word from the Greek, but it's the best news ever. It's the best news ever, and that's the story. Paul says, "Listen, you've got to get this word. I want you to hear this most important story." Uh, Paul wrote another letter to the Romans. Okay, that's a church he didn't start, but it's the church in Rome, and he wanted to write to them, so he did. And it's included in our Bible. In Romans chapter one, verse sixteen, the Bible says this: "For I am not ashamed of the gospel." Paul says, "I'm just not ashamed of this." You know, and he says, "Why?" Now, keep in mind, the Romans. Okay, they believe in multiple gods. And they believed the, the head guy, the Caesar, was a god. And, and so this was really controversial for, for Roman people. But Paul says, writing to the Romans, said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone. Is the power of God for salvation to everyone. And this is so cool. In, in, the, in the New Testament, in the Greek, okay, that word power there is the word dunamis. Dunamis. And, and you might be able to hear it, but it's where we get our word dynamite. Dynamite. So the, you say the dynamite of God for salvation to everyone. The good news is the power of God. Not our power, not our performance. It's the power of God 
for salvation, for forgiveness of sins. And watch, watch, watch. For everyone. For everyone. Now, not just good people. Yeah, I love this. You know, when Paul says everyone, he means exactly that. God doesn't care our skin color, what race, what creed. He doesn't care what country you live in. He doesn't care if your address is, is the richest part of town or the poorest part of town. He doesn't care if you drive a clunker or a Cadillac or you don't even have something to drive. He just doesn't care. He doesn't care if your list is really long of all the sins you committed or you think you've got a really short list. No, the dunamis, the power of God for salvation to everyone is the good news. And he says to the Jews first, and to the Greeks. So, so what does that look like? Well, Paul's going to tell us. He spends the rest of several verses telling us exactly that. In the second part of verse number 3, he says, here is the good news. Here is the good news. That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Now, first off, it's not just that Christ died. Okay? It's not just... That, that this really good man named Jesus went to a Roman cross and, and was, his hands were pierced and his feet were pierced and, and he's sitting there and he bled and suffocated on a cross. It's not that. It's not that he just died. Look why he died. He died for our sins according to the scriptures. I love this. I love this. See, everybody has sinned. I know it's sometimes hard, but, but think about it. Come on. Be honest. You know, if, if sin is like things we do that like offend God or things that are morally wrong, if you think about it, even by man's law, all of us have sinned. You know, the Word says it. All have sinned that come short of the glory of God. It goes on and says this, that there is nobody, there is nobody righteous, not even one. And because of that, there's a penalty. There's a death penalty, in fact. The Bible says that same book of Romans that Paul wrote to the church of Rome. You know, he said that you know, the payment for sin is death. You know, because we sin, we deserve death. And yeah, that's, that's physical death. But more importantly, it's eternal separation from God. That is what we deserve. But listen to this. But the gift of God. Somebody say gift. Yes. I like gifts. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. In other words, we deserve death, but because Jesus died on the cross for our sins, we deserve death. He turns right around and gives us this gift, and this gift is eternal life. It is forgiveness, and it happens because of Him. How incredible is that? Now, you need to understand, Friday, okay, we call it Good Friday. It certainly wasn't good for Jesus, but boy, is it good for us. Here's the deal. See, what happened that Friday, all of what happened that Friday, uh, was, it wasn't murder, okay? What well, was murder, but it wasn't murder. I, I'll explain that in a minute, okay? So, so what happened that Friday was not murder or martyrdom. It wasn't, you know, that, that a man martyred himself for a cause. It wasn't that at all. But listen to this. This is like crazy. But the perfectly executed, play on word there, the perfectly executed plan of God for our redemption. In other words, what happened on that Good Friday, what happened that day, every small detail of that day was the perfect, perfectly executed plan of God for our redemption. That God planned this, this massacre on a cross for our redemption. And it was all acted out perfectly. You've got to understand. It increases in value if you begin to understand that. You know, if not, we kind of go, oh, man, God messed up. 
Oh, oh, oh he, must have, he must not have been paying attention. And they arrested Jesus and nailed him to the cross. That's all too bad. It all, something went wrong. It didn't go wrong. It went perfectly right. It went perfectly right that Jesus Christ endured the cross and the sufferings and the shame and all of that, paying for, paying for our sin. So it wasn't that. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a plan gone bad. It was a plan gone perfectly right. Let me show it to you. Um, the book of Acts is like the history of the early church, okay? And, and in Acts chapter 4, um, they're kind of like having a prayer meeting, and Luke, another gospel follower, you know, writer, wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts, okay? So he's at this prayer meeting, and he writes down what these guys pray, okay? Now, here's what it looks like. This is Acts chapter 4, verse 27 and 28. For in fact, he says, in fact, in this city, Jerusalem, in this city, Herod and Pontius Pilate, Oh, and the Gentiles, I'm not done yet, and the people of Israel. So you've got Herod, you've got Pilate, you've got the Gentiles, and you've got the Jews, okay? And then he goes on and says this, They assembled together against your holy servant Jesus. So they're praying to God and say, God, we know. See, we always tell God what he already knows in our prayer. Do you notice that? If we didn't tell God what he already knew, our prayer lives would be a lot simpler. Okay, but they're telling, they're telling God what he already knew. Hey, God, you know, you know that Herod and Pilate and the Gentiles and your people all rose up against your son Jesus. You knew that. You knew that. But here's the part that's important. Look at verse 28. To do whatever your hand and your will had predestined to take place. They say, hey, God, we understand something. This was your plan. Everything that happened on Good Friday was executed and allowed by you. It wasn't Pilate, it wasn't Herod, it wasn't Gentiles, it wasn't Jews. It was you acting out your perfect plan for redemption. Well, what did it look like? What did that Friday look like? Well, let's look at another follower of Jesus. There's a guy named Matthew. Matthew was the most hated guy in town. He was a tax collector, and they hated him. He was a betrayer of people. He cheated people. Literally, he robbed people by charging more taxes, and he got to keep the profits. So there's a guy named Matthew, and he's sitting at his desk one day. And Jesus walks up and says, I'm sure the rest of the guys are going, don't do it, Jesus, don't do it. Hey, Matthew, come follow me. And they're going, he's the hated guy. Nobody, nobody even likes him. They hate him. Hey, Matthew, come and follow me. And you know what Matthew did? He left that to follow Jesus. And so he became one of the gospel writers. He told his side of the Jesus story. Well, here's what he wrote about that Friday afternoon. It's about 9 o'clock when Jesus goes on the cross. And then Matthew chapter 27, verse 45 and 46, the Bible says, from noon, so he's been on the cross about three hours, you know, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the whole land. In other words, God turned out. For, for, from noon until three, God turned the lights out. What was about to happen was so bad, so horrible, as far as sin goes, it turned out the lights. He turns out the light. Darkness came over the earth. And in verse 46, the Bible says, about 3 o'clock, about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. You know, David said, get a visual on that. Get a visual. You know, you're home from school. School was out at 2.45. You're home from school. You know, your shift ended at 2. You're home from work. Okay? About 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Jesus in this darkness, in this darkness, Jesus cries out and says with a loud voice, Eli! Eli! Lama sabachthani. And, and what he says, and, and then he gives the English translation in the scripture, is, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? 
Why have you turned your back on me? Because you see, this didn't happen. I need to tell you something. Are you listening? God will, Jesus, God will never turn his back on you. Jesus will not see. Y'all, some of y'all think, you know, Dwayne, you remember COVID? I'm pretty sure God turned his back on me. No, no, he didn't. He didn't. In fact, this is the only time that, that, that God turns his back on his son. You say, well, why did that happen? Because at that point, at that point, Jesus becomes sin. Now listen, every sin, somebody say every sin. Every sin that was ever committed. Ever, you, know, you remember in Adam and Eve, remember that story from, from Genesis chapter 3? The very first sin of rebellion? Yeah, he died for that one. Uh, do, you remember, do you remember David's fling with Bathsheba? The big scandal? Uh, he died for that one too. In fact, you know what? Remember your fling? He died for that one. You remember that bit of jealousy you had last Tuesday? Yeah, he died for that too. Yeah. He died for every sin of every man, woman, and child. And on him, that, that sin came on him. He owned that sin. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says he literally became sin. So as God turned out the lights at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, he cries out, why have you abandoned me? And the answer is because God couldn't look on the sin. He had to turn his back on his own son because his own son had become sin. And that's crazy. That's crazy good. And then we have another follower of Jesus named John. And John writes this. After this, after that, what we just read, after this, when Jesus knew that everything was now finished, when he knew it was, getting, it was done, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I'm thirsty. Well, why did they put that in the Bible? Because it shows the humanity of Jesus. I mean, you know, if, if, if Jesus felt no pain on the cross, it robs it of its power. Jesus was 100% man, yet 100% God. And, and you say, I've never heard that before. That's because there was only one. It was him. 100% man and 100% God. And he endured the, the suffering, the scourging, the, the nails driven through his wrist and through his feet, his back stripped of the flesh, the crown of thorns, blood loss, suffocation. All of that he felt. And he thirsted. You would too. And they included that just so you'll know how human Jesus was. See, Jesus can identify with your pain. When you hurt, he knew about hurt. When, when you suffer pain, he understands pain. When you understand loss, he understands loss. Remember that time in the middle of COVID and you felt like God turned his back on you? Jesus said, I know what you're talking about. I felt that way. Isn't that great? Aren't you glad you got a Jesus that can identify with your pain and your suffering and your hurt? Well, we skip a verse, but go down to verse number 30. And the Bible says, when Jesus, you know, some guys saw some vinegar there, and they said, give him some vinegar. So they put it on a pole and lift up a sponge to his lips, and he kind of sucks in that vinegar. And the Bible says, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, he cried, it is finished. It's the word tetelestai, tetelestai. It's, it's a Greek word. It's really not a religious word. It's just a Greek word. And it means, it means done. It means finished. Um, when, when a painter, when an artist would be painting a masterpiece or, or a piece of work, and he put the last brush stroke on there, it would be to tell us die. 
It is finished. When, when a carpenter would, would build a table and he'd drive in the last peg and the last leg, he would stand back and say, to tell us die. It is finished. Who knows, maybe when the last lash was applied to the back of Jesus, maybe the Greek Roman soldiers said, to tell us die. They spoke Greek. To tell us die. There. It's done. But in this case, when Jesus says to tell us die, it is finished. What he's talking about, the price for our sin. That, that, that the price for sin, the wages of sin was death. And the price now had been paid. To tell us die, it is finished. You don't need to add anything. Do you understand sometimes more is just more? You understand more is just more? Listen, you don't need to add your baptism to, to tell us die. You don't need to add your church membership to to tell us die. You don't need to add your religion to to tell us die. You don't need to add anything. It is finished. It is done. It is complete. It is finished. And then he says, the Bible says, he bowed his head. He gave up the spirit. Do you see that? Do you track that? He gave up his See, that's why I wrestled with that term murder. You know, people for centuries, millennia, have been trying to kill God. They just can't get it done. So it wasn't murder. It was attempted murder. That's all they could do was attempt to kill him. Because when it came time, when it came time for the last heartbeat, this is good. When it came time for the last heartbeat, he willed it. He said to himself, last heartbeat, and boom. He gave up. He yielded his spirit. And by the way, Brother Brent and David, wherever you are, you know, when it came time for the next heartbeat, he willed that too. When his buried body began to breathe, boom, boom, boom. When, when the blood started cursing through his dead body again, boom, he did that. He did that. He did that. So it was finished. He yielded his spirit. Now here's the deal. Listen, many people, Many men have died on crosses before. And, and many of men have died for worthy causes. But only one man died for the sins of the whole world. And well, that is Jesus Christ. That is Jesus Christ. That's what makes this so special. But we've got to go just one step further. Because you see, here's the deal. The Bible says in Matthew writing again, the Matthew says that when he cried that out, it is finished, it is done, and he yielded his spirit, there was this curtain. Here was the holy place and here was the holy of holies and the high priest could only go in here once a year if you went in not invited and not with an appointment you died you died and it was separated the holy from the holy of holies by this huge curtain imagine a curtain that's 18 to 20 feet tall six inches thick six inches thick and the bible says matthew says that that when he cried out it is finished and he died this curtain is split in two it wasn't someone got a pair of, of craftsmen uh, hedge trimmers and started whacking at the curtain. The Bible says distinctly it was torn from top to bottom. Now, you know how significant this is? Let me tell you. What that means is, if you will, God reached down from heaven and tore this curtain. The holy place and the holy of holies became one. And when that happened, God hung out the welcome sign. 
He said, anyone who will put their faith, not, not perform, not perform, not do the right thing, not keep the rules. Anyone who will believe in Jesus Christ is welcome into my presence. Amen. How crazy and amazing is that? What wondrous love is this? I've not seen love like this before. Only there. Only there. Well, Paul finally moves on. In verse number 4 he says, And he was buried. Now this is hugely important. Hugely important. He was buried. Now here's what would have happened. Normally, normally, when a criminal was crucified on a Roman cross, the, when they made sure he was dead, he died. And sometimes, by the way, Jesus died pretty quickly. It may have been the scourging or what. But, but no, Jesus died pretty quickly. But people, criminals could hang on crosses for days. Okay, and so, and so what they normally would do is they'd lower the cross to the ground and they would take their bodies off the cross, throw them into a cart, and haul them down to the city dump, okay? And there they would take them and give them a good swing and there they would be piled up and they would rot. That's what normally happened. But you see, that didn't fit God's plan. So God took care of that detail too. He laid it on the heart of a couple of guys. Um, these guys were Pharisees. Um, they, they believed in Jesus as the Messiah, but they couldn't bring themselves to do it publicly. They, they didn't step up in life, but they stepped up in his death. So, so Joseph of Arimathea goes to Pilate and says, Hey, can I have the body of Jesus. And Pilate must have been maybe some remorse, maybe in a good mood that day, agrees so. And so Joseph of Arimathea and his friend Nicodemus claim the body of Jesus Christ. And they proceed to give it a proper burial. Now, it's important for to understand there was a burial because he was dead. There was a burial because he was dead. See, some people want to say that he was just unconscious maybe or perhaps he was in a coma. Uh, you know, the shock of all that happened to him. But but here's the answer to that. They they don't understand. You don't understand. They don't understand the efficiency of the Roman soldiers who were trained to kill him. The Roman soldiers were trained to kill people, and they were good at what they did. When you came under the sentence of death by a Roman soldier, you could write something down, write in your diary, today is my last day, I'm going to die. So Jesus was dead. In fact, by the way, when... when Joseph Arimathea went and said, Hey, Pilate, can we have the body of Jesus? He kind of was surprised that Jesus was dead so quickly. So he calls in the centurion who's in charge of execution. A centurion was a pretty ranking guy. He had 100 soldiers under him. And so he calls the centurion in and says, Hey, is Jesus dead? And he would smite his chest like that. You know, and say, Yes, I certify that he is dead. And then Pilate gave the body of Jesus to them. So yeah, he was dead. He wasn't swooning. He was unconscious. He wanted to come. He was dead. He was so dead that they planned. A, they gave a funeral. They planned a funeral. See, you understand something. No one expected the resurrection. I know, I know, I know. Several times Jesus said, Hey, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be arrested. They're going to flog me and beat me and then crucify me. But I'm going to get up again on the third day. They never heard that. As their minds processed the information that the guy that they were following was going to do all of this, they never got to the resurrection part. They closed their minds off. No one expected. Well, how do you know they didn't expect a resurrection? Well, look at the preparations. You know, first off, they had a burial cloth. 
Okay? And the burial cloth would have been long, narrow, and they would wrap tightly the body of Jesus in this cloth. In between each fold, as it passed over, they would stuff that with, and the Bible tells us there were 75 pounds of spices. So whatever they were doing, this wasn't a three-day stay. They believed game over. It was done. So they take this body and they wrap it and put these 75 pounds of spices in between the cloth, okay? And then Joseph gives Jesus the tomb, and they put him in the tomb, and they roll a giant stone in front of it, and then thanks to the temple guard, they come back and put all these seals around it. They thought it was game over. No one expected the resurrection. So, what do you think Jesus did when he was in the, in the grave? Now, we don't know exactly, okay? We don't, we don't know, you know, all that he did in those three days. But I almost let this part out because you got to go, well, yeah, I never thought about that. But, but I, I want to put it in for one particular reason. You know, Peter, Peter, in First Peter, I think it's three, don't hold me on that. You know, he gives us a real, a little bit of a tip, a teaser about what, you know, what was going on with Jesus during those three days. Now, obviously, by the way, his body was in the tomb. But where was his spirit? What was his spirit doing? Well, Peter gave us some ideas, and, and, and in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul gives us some ideas, okay? So something was going on. Mark it down. Jesus was busy. His body was dead in the grave, but his spirit was not. Now, why is that important to you? It proves something. Have you ever heard anything called soul sleep? Yeah, there are people that believe that when you die, you, all of you, soul and spirit, go to the grave and sit there and wait for the resurrection. There's something wrong with that, and that's the Bible doesn't teach that. Paul said, Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And then that's why I think Peter gives us the hint, hey, wait a minute, his body was in the tomb, but he was busy. We'll find out one day all that he was doing with clarity because we don't have that much clarity. And why this is so important, you remember grandma? Remember when grandma died? You remember your husband when he died? And the pastor says something like this, we return the body back to the earth, but the soul and spirit is with, with God, with Jesus. And you, you clung to that, that, wait a minute, grandpa or your husband's not laying out some hole somewhere, his body may be, but his soul and spirit wasn't. And one day that will even be resurrected. So that was important, I thought, to include that. You know, God is a God of details. He covers everything. But what were the disciples doing? What would you be doing on Friday? Your best friend, the guy that you thought was the Messiah, you hung your whole retirement account on him. You sold the boat, you sold the nets, you put it all, he is the Messiah. And he ups and dies on you. What would you, what would you be doing? Well, they did several things. They, they went home. It was the Jewish Sabbath, you know, started at 6 o'clock. So they were, they were having church. And that's one service I probably wouldn't want to be a member of. Okay? They went home. They mourned. Again, they thought the game over. There was going to be no... They, they weren't thinking resurrection because there wasn't going to be one. They mourned. Uh, they were confused. But, but I don't understand. Lazarus is dead and he raised him back to life. And, and I don't understand. This girl couldn't see and now she can see. And this guy had leprosy and now he doesn't. I don't understand. They were confused. There was a tomb with a body and they were confused. They were afraid. Because if the, if the Roman government and if the local establishment of religion 
could kill Jesus, they were next. They were next. Ever had fear before? Anybody have fear 2020? Yeah. They did. They did. May have been angry. Angry at Jesus. I've heard it said too many times. I'm so angry at my husband. He didn't take care of himself. And he died. And he left me here. There was probably some anger at Jesus. I bet Peter was angry at himself. How could I deny him? How could I deny him? I told him I wouldn't. How could I? So it was a mess. It was just a, it was a hot mess of unbelief during this time. They buried him. And all they could see was the end. But then, but then. In verse 4, the second part, Paul says this. That he was raised on the third day according to scriptures. Oh, ho, ho, ho. this is a change in the story. Men died on crosses all the time. Good men died on crosses all the time. Men were buried all the time. Men were tossed at the dump all the time. But sometimes family members would plead with Pilate and get the body and bury it. Funerals happened all the time under our harsh Roman government. Sure did. Yeah. But you know what? He came back to life. He was raised on the third day. And this is so important. This is the crown jewel. You know, it, without the resurrection, it, take away the resurrection. And, and Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 15. If you take away the resurrection, what you've got is a really good guy named Jesus, okay, who happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time and died on a Roman cross. That's what you've got. That's what you've got. People die all the time. But if you bring in the resurrection, it changes everything. It changes everything. Everything. All of a sudden, we got a guy who dies on a Roman cross and then comes back to life. Now, that's news. That's big news. A guy named Henry Morris said this. The bodily resurrection, the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is the crowning proof of Christianity. The crowning proof. If the resurrection did not take place, then Christianity is a false religion. And again, Paul says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If, if the resurrection didn't happen, nice try, Jesus. Sorry. You can't prove who you are. You can make all the claims in the world. But how do we know they're true, Jesus? Without the resurrection, there's no proof. Religion, Christianity is a false religion. If it did take place, somebody say, if it did. And Paul says, and it did. If it did take place then Christ is God and the Christian faith is absolute truth. If the resurrection is true, then guess what? Jesus is God. Jesus is who he said he was. He did what he did then and he can do what he says today. If he says, amen, if he says he can forgive your sins, he can forgive your sins. If Jesus says that you can go to heaven and be with him, you can go to heaven and be with him. I'm telling you, it's a game changer. That's why this is important. You know, Judy was telling me how Easter doesn't invoke the family emotion of Christmas, and she's right. But by far, Easter is more important. You know, when, when the boys, when, you know, when the early church in Acts, when, when they, you know, you know what the Bible says about in Acts, about the people? You know, they said they couldn't keep quiet. And it wasn't they couldn't keep quiet about the cross. They couldn't keep quiet about the resurrection. Well, what drove the priest crazy 
in the book of Acts. The resurrection. Quit talking about the resurrection. And they said, we can't. We can't. And let me tell you something. We gather on Sundays because of the early church. The reason they had church on Sunday was because every, every Sunday they celebrated the resurrection. Every Sunday was Easter. And guess what? For us, every time we gather in this building, it's a celebration of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got something to celebrate. He lives. He lives. His heart began to beat. He lives. The blood began to flow. He lives. And that's something that the world needs to know about. It's something that the world needs to know about. So, the tomb authenticates the cross. The tomb, empty tomb, authenticates the work of the cross. We know the cross is true because of the resurrection. Anyone... Anyone who can you know, predict their own death and resurrection and pull it off, you better listen to them. You better listen to them. Well, Paul moves on in verse 5. And we'll go through these really quickly. You know, because it's just kind of a hallmark of, of, of the resurrection. You know, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 5, um, you know, here's the deal. That he appeared to Cephas. And by the way, that's Peter. Okay. He appeared to Peter. Oh, and then he appeared to the twelve. And then verse number 6, oh, oh, we're not done yet. Then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. So there were multiple Jesus sightings. And these people saw Jesus, over 500 of them. And, and Paul says, listen, if you're not believing what I'm saying, hey, Corinthian church, if you're not believing me, go ask them. Because he says um, most of them are still alive. You can go now to Jerusalem, and there are multiple witnesses who saw Jesus alive. You can do that. You know? And he said, now, some of them are sleeping. Some of them have died. But a chunk of them are still alive. Oh, and then he appeared to James. You know James is? Yeah, James would be the half-brother of Jesus. Uh, see, I don't know if you know this or not, but Jesus' family kind of thought he was crazy. Uh, James did not believe Jesus was the Son of God. James didn't become a believer until after the resurrection. When, when, Jesus, when Jesus shows up to James... And says, hi, I'm back. You kind of, I don't care what. You believe. You believe. And James became the leader of the Jerusalem church. But not until after the resurrection. They were concerned about him while he walked on earth. But after the resurrection, it was a game changer. It was a game changer. He appeared to James. Yeah. And then he appeared to the rest of the apostles. Oh, oh, and then in verse 8, Paul says, and last of all, as one born at the wrong time, <laughs> me, Paul saying, me, on the road to Damascus. It's an incredible story. Don't lose the wonder of what this is all about. Don't lose the wonder of what this is all about. Uh, Tim Keller, a teacher, preacher, great quote. The gospel is this. We are all more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared to believe. Isn't that true? You need some help? Go back about three weeks ago. A guy walks into some massage parlors in Atlanta and kills eight women. You think we're simply flawed? How about let's go to Boulder, California. A guy walks into a grocery store and shoots eight people or ten people. You think we're flawed? 
And we could go on and on and on. Yeah, Tim, you're right. We are more simple and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet, at the same time, at the same time, we are more loved and accepted in Christ Jesus than we ever dared hope. I love this. As broken and as flawed as we are, God's grace is sufficient to forgive us. Now, that's a message the world needs. I I told you, I kept leaning... I kept leaning over during the video, both services, I did this. I love the story about Sager, California. I love the fact that this guy was a criminal. He was in jail. And he receives Jesus Christ as Savior and becomes a preacher. Did y'all catch that? That's the power of the gospel. You know, not everyone who gets saved is a goody, goody boy or girl. God can take these really broken people and redeem them. And redeem them. And you know what? God wants to do that in your life today. If you're watching on Facebook, God wants to do that today. If you're going to be watching the future on Facebook, God wants to do that today. You say, Dwayne, how does that happen? Well, I call it the ABCs of the gospel. You know, the first thing we have to do is we have to admit, okay, that we are sinners. I mean, you don't have to search too hard to know that. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and that there's none righteous, no, not one. Every one of us have offended God. Every one of us have sin. And the payment for that, that is death. You know, the Bible goes on and says in, in Romans 3.10, it says that there is none righteous. No, not one. Not even one. So we need to admit to God, admit to ourselves that we have offended God, that we have sinned against God, and that we are guilty. And then we need to believe. I like this. I'm so glad God didn't... I'm glad the next ABC didn't say that we have to, to play the scale game. And boy, if we somehow can be good enough that we get to go to heaven. I'm glad it's not that. I'm glad it's believe instead. Believe that Jesus died for you and is willing to forgive you. You know, again, because of the resurrection, we know this is true. And here's what, and here's what we know. Here's what we know. God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were still sinners, while we were still messed up, while we were still broken, while we still didn't get it right, Christ died for us. He didn't say, get it right, and then we'll talk. He said, believe in me, and I'll make it right. And I'll make it right. God demonstrated his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then we confess. Confess what, Dwayne? You know, a willingness to turn from your sin and follow. Too often, and I'm going to be very blunt and candid, too often we sold the story, just pray a little prayer, and go live like you want to. Heaven when you die. That's not what the scriptures teach. The scriptures teach there's an act of repentance and an act of following. Repentance means this. Um, It's a turning. Um, It's a change. Um, My favorite illustration continues to be this. It's like going in one direction and turning to another. So, So you're walking in the direction of doing what you want to do and you turn toward God. But I really like the other one too. It's a change of attitude. It's a change of attitude. You change your mindset. You change your mind about sin and you and God, Christ, and believing. You know, you may be sitting here today and maybe on Facebook later on, you know, you're sitting there going, yeah, I don't believe this stuff, Dwayne, but you know what? You've made a pretty hard case for the resurrection today. You know, I, I think I, I could, I just something I need to investigate. That's great. That's great. Because I'm telling you, it's true. It's true. And we need, we need to be willing to change our attitude to follow Christ. Change our attitude. And then, 
in Matthew 16, Matthew the tax collector again, in Matthew 16, 24, you know, Jesus said, if anyone wants to come to me, you've got to do this couple of things. You've got you to deny yourself, come after me and follow me. If anybody wants to come after me, you've got to deny yourself. You've got to put yourself at the back of the line and put Jesus first. And you've got to follow me. You've got to follow me. And that's not for while the crisis is going on. That's not until COVID's over. It's forever. Following Jesus is a commitment of a lifetime. Not, not to stay saved. Not to earn God's performance. Yeah, it's like a love affair. You know, for me, it's been 48 years. And Jesus has never failed me. He's never let me down. I failed him plenty of times. But he's never failed me. So we come down to the end now. And we want to give you a chance. Uh, if you're on Facebook, listen up. You know, it's not something you have to do in a church building. I'm glad for that. But my friend Brent's going to be standing down front, and the team's going to lead us in a song, a great song, as a matter of fact, about the name of Jesus. And um, today, if you want to, you can leave your seat right here and come down and say, Brent, I want to know more. I want to know more. And we'll be glad to share with you as much as we can and try to answer your questions so you can know Jesus. And by the way, you don't need to do it now. I'll be hanging around, and these guys will are eating here today. You know, just grab one of us and say, hey, we want to know, I want to know more about this Jesus. I want to know how that, that admitting and believing and confessing applies to me. How can that happen in my life? And I've got a question about this or a question about that. And we'll be glad to try to answer those questions for you. Man, God loves us so much. That's obvious. This makes it obvious. The empty tune makes it obvious. The fact that he planned those three days, the gruesome death, the time of waiting, and the resurrection on Sunday, all of it shouts... I love you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Let's pray. God, thank you very much um, for this opportunity, this privilege, as a matter of fact, of sharing these truths today. Thank you, God, that you made salvation possible by faith. I'm glad we don't have to earn our way, perform our way. I'm glad it's all through Jesus, your son, our faith in him. So I pray for my friends on Facebook. I want to pray, Father, for the ones who might be listening on the radio or for the ones in this room. That, Father, someone here today who needs this free gift, may today be that day. On this day, above all days. In Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen. Why don't you stand to our feet, your feet? Team will lead us in a song. Brent's waiting. If we can receive you here, we'd be glad to do that.
Why don't you have a seat just for a moment? Um, I'll let Brother Brent lead us out of here. He's going to give you details 
about what you might want to need to know about dinner. And um, I just want to encourage you. Uh, first of all, thank you very much for coming. It's been an incredible day. So good to see you guys. And secondly, we want to encourage you to take some food. You can take it home. They got ready for you to carry out. We're going to have this room set up, and you can eat here. But we're just glad that you came, and we pray it's a blessing to you. Brent, what do you got to say? Hey, y'all ready to eat? Yeah, all right. Some people are hungry. All right, that's good. Hey, we got a plan to make sure Easter dinner happens. If you're wanting to go home, that's great. We understand. There is carry out right here at the big window. If you go out here and get carry out, they got it ready in a clamshell. You're ready to go. So it's going to be a pretty quick thing, okay? But if you're wanting to stay around and maybe do some social distancing, maybe eating here. That'd be great, too. We are going to transform this thing. We're going to pick up the chairs. We haven't done this in over a year, but we're going to do it. We're going to start stacking them in eight. We're going to wheel them into the closet. We're going to wheel this side first over to the closet, this side, and get it all in. I'll put tables out here. We're going to have Easter lunch. I called it dinner earlier, but somebody corrected me. Easter lunch right here. And we're going to serve out of this window right here. And there's going to be a drink table and that type of thing. But it's all going to be clamshells, so there's no uh, problem there. So we'll get it done pretty quick. But I need your cooperation. If you like to go out to the car and wait 15, 20 minutes, 106.5. We are going to play some background music. And then we'll tell you, hey, we got it all set up. Come back in. Or if you want to take a walk out in the parking lot and just admire God's beauty out there, that's great, too. You'll see them all head towards the door. You know it's ready to happen, okay? But, man, please bear with us. Don't leave here. This has been a great day. But make sure you get a meal. Jeremy's got it all prepared in there along with the volunteers. Like I said, we delivered 400 meals already. Jeremy's got it ready to happen right now. So we're going to pray and bless this thing. Any questions? Anybody say, hey, I ain't hungry. I'll take your meal, okay? Dwayne will fight me for the dessert, but I'll take your meal, okay? But, hey, we're wanting you to have have a good Easter, celebrate with your family. If you got people at home you need to take a meal to, you didn't sign up for one, take it home. we got plenty, okay? Jeremy's prepared for all that, okay? Let's go to the Lord in prayer and we'll make this thing happen. Heavenly Father. I just thank you for allowing us to gather together today. Three days that changed our outlook. Three days that gave us hope. Three days that changed my life and hopefully changed your life. We are redeemed. We're set free. And Heavenly Father, I'm just so thankful for that. It's not by our works. It's by faith in you, what you did on that cross. And I like what Brother Dwayne in the Bible says, it is finished. He's sitting on the right hand of the Father. It's done. And dear my Father, help us to celebrate that today. Thank you for this such a beautiful day. Thank you for the hands that prepared this meal for us today. Thank you for all the meals that are going out to somebody else or to somebody at home, somebody that doesn't have a hope this Easter. I just pray that you'd just reign supreme, dear my Father. You'd show up in the gospel. Help us to spread the good news. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said... Amen. Let's make it happen. Stack the chairs in eight and we're going to get.